welcome to the Dilabram All-Rounder podcast. It's the 27th of October and this is part of the US edition. I'm in the States, in New York, specifically New Jersey, on a holiday, but still watching the cricket and still watching the rugby. So I woke up this morning and the cricket matches are on from 4.30 a.m. in New York and I was watching the South Africa-Pakistan game and I just thought, wanted to give some, share some thoughts about the World Cup so far and also a preview to the Rugby World Cup. So this will be a shorter episode. I'm going to try and aim it to be 20 minutes because it's just me. Give some thoughts on both and get us excited because it's a World Cup frenzy on at the moment. Let's do cricket first. And I want to take you through three headlines. The first headline is crowds. By and large, I think the crowds have been somewhat disappointing. For Indian games, the crowds have been fantastic, and that's not surprising. I thought the India-Pakistan game in front of 120,000 was an amazing sight, an amazing atmosphere. The sound was, it was great from a TV perspective. But the crowds otherwise have been disappointing for the non-India games. I think for a Cricket World Cup, there could have been more marketing, more selling, perhaps even just giving free tickets to people that wanted to watch the games, because when you're watching a cricket game, you want it to be a full crowd, particularly in a World Cup. And I thought the first game, first match of the World Cup should have been an Indian match, but the fact that it wasn't, and it was played to possibly 40 or 50,000 in a 120,000 seat stadium was slightly disappointing. So crowds have been something that I've, I've observed haven't been great. The lack of tight matches. The date of this recording, uh, we just saw the South Africa-Pakistan game, and that was probably the closest match of the tournament. To some extent, I've been disappointed with the with the game so far. There have been a lot of one-sided results, teams batting first, scoring a lot of runs, and the second team chasing not being able to chase. It might be a number of reasons for that, but there haven't been that many close games. So I'm hoping that changes in the second half of the tournament as we lead to the semifinals and the finals. Third headline is fixtures. This is one thing I've been disappointed about in this World Cup is that during the week and on most days we're just getting one match a day i understand the rationale for it it is to keep the focus on one match a day keep it interesting keep it moving but i think in a world cup as a viewing spectator you want to see a couple of games a day i don't see why it would have been such a bad idea to have perhaps a morning game and then a day night game and yes there would be some crossover between the games but that would be more exciting and more interesting than just having one match. And when it's an, when it's not a competitive match, it gets a little dull and you don't want that for a World Cup. I want to play a game. It's called Five Words or Less. Hello. Do you want to play a game? And I'm going to focus on five teams in this World Cup, give you five, five words to define how their tournament's going, and then I might just expand on each. Teams, the first team I've got is South Africa. And it's do it in a final. South Africa have been fantastic so far. They have, whenever they've batted first, they have put on a lot of runs and basically the match has been, the match is over once they bat. They start, Markram's really stood up, Klaassen stood up. And I think Markram made a really good point in one of the interviews where he said that the IPL experience had helped him. So really a 2020 tournament in India had actually helped him become a better ODI batsman. And that's clear to see. I think South Africa, though, the problem's going to be, and the issue for them, given they've never won a World Cup, is going to be they need to do it in a final when they get to that semi-final because they're probably going to finish first or second in the table. They will have a semi-final possibly against, I think possibly against Australia or New Zealand. 
they're going to need to beat them in the semi-final and make a final because that's when it counts. Number two, Australia. Peaking at the right time? Question mark. Australia started very poorly in this World Cup. A lot of people were saying, or a lot of people were counting them out, saying this team was probably one of the worst ODI teams. They weren't firing. Their batting wasn't firing. Their bowling was quite ordinary. But they're now coming, they're now, the fortunes are slowly, slowly changing. They've won a few games of late. They're looking good. Maxwell has hit some form. Yes, it was against the Netherlands. Any runs are good runs in my view. They've got the firepower with the batting. I think their bowling is underrated. It's very good. And if Zampa hits the right form, they've got a team that could possibly contend. So they're going to need to keep winning. If they make the semifinals, it's anyone's game. India, we've seen this before. What do I mean by that? India is dominating and that's not surprising. They have a perfect team for Indian conditions. Their batting has been great. KL Rahul is back in form. Virat's always batting in form. Rohit Sharma, big daddy, always scores runs. The question for India is going to be, can they do it in the semi-final final? Similar to South Africa, except India doesn't have a history of choking. Although we saw this in the 2019 World Cup where they dominated in the group stages, came to the semi-finals and they lost convincingly. So India is going to need to show that they can convert this form into the semi-finals and the finals. I almost think that a loss would be good for them at this stage because they're almost guaranteed to qualify. So if they lose now, it might motivate them to not lose in a semi-final. Pakistan. Good old Pakistan. Pakistan has not, has probably been the most disappointing team in this World Cup. But in my view, I'm not surprised. I thought that their batting coming into this World Cup was very weak. They have a long tail, and once they're four or five wickets down, you almost can't trust the six to 11 to score more than 50 runs, and that's a problem in ODI cricket. You just can't rely on Barbara Azam and Mohamed Rizwan to score all your runs. You're gonna need more depth. So Pakistan, I'm not surprised. The final team I wanna cover is Afghanistan, and its future looks bright. I thought Afghanistan had been fantastic in this World Cup. They have a, their batting has improved. It's come considerably improved. It's come leaps and bounds. And I think that's a product of playing more and more cricket. It doesn't matter if it's playing against developing nations. They are getting more cricket, more exposure on the World Cup stage and the world scene. This is fantastic for Afghanistan. And their bowling is also not too bad. I think the more and more cricket they play, the better they'll become. They just need more opportunities. And it's important for the stronger nations to invite Afghanistan to play the occasional ODI series and perhaps the occasional test. That's the only way we'll see Afghanistan improve on the world stage. As I record this, we are now looking forward to Australia, New Zealand tomorrow. I think it'll be a cracking game. I'm hoping for a fantastic second half of the World Cup. I know there have been some people talking about or complaining about the World Cup fixtures and how the route, the format is not conducive to a competitive um, World Cup because it's just going to lead to the four best teams making it through and a lack of surprising, you know, a lack of surprises. But I like it. It's a World Cup. The best team should be playing. Let's hope for a great second half of the World Cup. Let's switch to rugby. A lot of you might not know because it hasn't done a lot of global news, but the Rugby World Cup's been going on and it's been going on for a long, long time. I want to do rugby in this way. We'll do it hot seat. I've got a few headlines and we'll go through each one of them. 
the first hot seat is length of tournament. This Rugby World Cup, it feels like it's been going on for, I'd say, four months. And that's honestly how long it's been going on for. Rugby of late or rugby union of late, there's been a focus on player health and player safety. It's probably the one sport that has really treated head contact with the most importance. You can see that by how they issue yellow cards and red cards through games. Anytime, even if there's unintentional high contact, the referees are clamping down on it. That's had an impact on the length of the tournament because the tournament, uh, the officials have suggested that players should only be playing one, one game a week and sometimes once every two weeks to ensure players aren't getting injured because they're playing too often. While that is positive for player safety, it has detracted from the World Cup because it's just gone on forever. We've had these gaps. You have teams playing on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then essentially nothing happening during the week and then play and then teams play again during that, the, the next week. That's meant we're not really in this, people aren't really experiencing a World Cup frenzy because there's too much gaps. There's, there's, there's no games being played during the week. And I think that's an issue for the Rugby World Cup and it's detracted from uh, people getting, or people getting interested in it. The second one is seeding. No doubt if you follow the Rugby World Cup, one of the key big issues has been how the teams were seeded. As I understand it, when France was given the World Cup, they had some concerns that they would not sell their tickets or they would not sell tickets to a lot of these games because the Paris Olympics is coming up the following year. So what they wanted to do was they said, let's sell tickets two or three years in advance so that we can stir up interest. For example, they wanted to know if fans know, hey, New Zealand's gonna play France on this day, this game, we've got two years to sell the tickets. So for this World Cup, they started seeding the teams, I think it was three years prior to the World Cup. And three years prior, England was the best team in the world. New Zealand, South Africa was, were, were also okay, but France and Ireland weren't as strong as what they are now. So we had a seeding system where New Zealand and France were in one group, South Africa, Ireland and Scotland were in one group. And then you have these other groups where it's Argentina and England in one group with some other nations like Japan and you had Australia, Wales, Fiji. With Ireland and France being the, the best two nations currently in world rugby, I know they got eliminated recently, but with those two teams being number one, it's almost felt unfair that we had one side of the group with Ireland, France, Scotland, South Africa, New Zealand, all fighting it out for a spot in a World Cup final. Now that has had a lot of issues because we had a quarterfinal between France and uh, France and South Africa and New Zealand and Ireland. Those were, the, those were the best games of the tournament, those two quarterfinals games. But it is a real, I say this with some sadness, that we are not going to see France and we're not going to see Ireland in a World Cup final. Next hot seat is Six Nations. And I only say that it somewhat builds from what I just said before, but we announced, we, everyone thought all rugby journalists and pundits said, this is going to be the year that a Six Nations team wins the World Cup. The last time a Six Nations team won the World Cup was England in 2003. As you will call, 2007 was South Africa, 2011 was New Zealand, 15 New Zealand, 19 South Africa. 
Well, this year it was supposed to be France or it was supposed to be Ireland. They played the best rugby coming into this World Cup. France beat South Africa in the uh, friendlies, in the Northern Hemisphere friendlies last year. They beat New Zealand as well. They came into this with the best form. Ireland played New Zealand in a three test series in New Zealand and beat them 2-1. Ireland had also been in South Africa and were coming to this World Cup in the best form. I think they were both unlucky in their quarterfinals games. You can say it was some refereeing, but South Africa and New Zealand stood up. They have the biggest pedigree, the highest pedigree to play rugby on the, on, on the best stage. And they've qualified to so six nations on the hot seat because yet again, they're not vying for a World Cup trophy. The last hot seat are the Wallabies. This, for an Australian fan or any Australian rugby fans, of which there are a few, this has been a shocking World Cup, but it's not surprising. Australian rugby is in the doldrums. It struggles with participation rates at the junior level and Australian rugby is struggling with just maintaining interest. I was rather quite surprised uh, just before the World Cup when there was a Bledisloe match at the MCG and Australian rugby was able to get 80,000 people to the MCG for an Australian-New Zealand game, which shows that fans are still interested in rugby if it's two competitive teams. But Australia is not putting out competitive teams. Australian rugby has deteriorated to such a level that I'm, no, I'm now no longer shocked if Australia loses a rugby game to Italy, to Scotland, to Argentina, to Fiji, of which they did. Australian rugby really needs to think about what they're going to do. And I'm not sure if Eddie Jones is the right coach. I mean, I'm not a rugby expert, so I just watch it. I love the sport, but they've got a lot of work to do. And I don't know if a coach is going to change rugby fortunes in Australia. Rather, it needs to start at the grassroots development, development level. And that's going to take years. So there's a lot of work for Australian rugby to do to compete. And I'm not sure if they're going to compete in four years time. Looking forward to the final, New Zealand, South Africa. This is a big final because it's bragging rights for the next four years. And it's also a chance for either South Africa or either New Zealand to go one up in Rugby World Cup trophies. I think they're both on three, if I'm not mistaken. South Africa has three, 07, 2019. And I think they won the 1999 or 95 World Cup and New Zealand has three as well. So this is really an opportunity for the Southern Hemisphere to flex its muscles and show why Southern Hemisphere rugby is the best rugby in the world. If you get a chance, I would strongly encourage you to watch the game, if not just for the haka, the anthems, and then for a fantastic game of rugby. Hopefully the referee stays out of it, but it will be a fantastic game. Watch it if you can, and I will see you back for regular programming. I'm still gonna be uploading my podcast from an Australian time perspective of uh, on Thursdays around 6am in the morning so you can always download it and listen to it on your way to work or listen to it whenever you want on your lunch break or after work. If there are any other topics that you want me to cover, just shoot me a message because I always love the, I love the feedback. Keep it coming and I'll see you regular programming next week. Bye.